Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 3, verses 1 through 16. Hear now the word of the Lord. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried in. People would lay him daily at the gate of the temple called the Beautiful Gate, so that he could ask for alms from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them for alms. Peter looked intently at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Jumping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the one who used to sit and ask for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's Portico, utterly astonished. When Peter saw it, he addressed the people, You Israelites, why do you wonder at this, or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and rejected in the presence of Pilate, though he had decided to release him. But you rejected the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer given to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And by faith in his name, his name itself has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given him this perfect health in the presence of all of you. This is the word of the Lord. The last two weeks we have been looking at the birth of the early church when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples on Pentecost after Jesus had been raised from the dead and ascended to the right hand of God. And immediately the church began growing by leaps and bounds. The new member classes were bursting at the seams. And these new members devoted themselves to, to worship and prayer, to, to growing together as disciples of Jesus. But they also devoted themselves to their new family, caring for one another and eating their food together with glad and generous hearts. In fact, they were so filled with joy and gratitude, and they were so committed to one another that they would even sell some of their own possessions to help provide for others among them who were in need. It was incredible. A beautiful snapshot of the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. 
But after, paint, after painting this beautiful picture of life inside the early church, the author Luke then tells us about the church's encounter with the world around it. Because worship and discipleship should always lead us outside the church into mission. And a healthy church that is committed to following Jesus and living out his gospel will always be a church that is reaching out into its community in Jesus' name. Now one day, Peter and John were on their way to the temple to worship. And as they went, they, they passed through an entryway to the temple known as the Beautiful Gate, which apparently was made of Corinthian bronze and was of exquisite uh, construction. And as they passed through, they, they walked by a lame beggar lying there beside the gate. It's a, a startling contrast, isn't it? The broken, crippled, suffering man lying there beneath the beautiful, strong, exquisitely crafted gate. It's practically a metaphor for many of our lives, isn't it? After all, beneath all the, the nice clothes and the perfect, well-crafted exteriors we work so hard to put on, beneath all of the success and all the trappings that we collect with it, there lies a lot of brokenness and hurt and disappointment and loneliness and heartache. I wonder if anyone here this morning knows anything about that. Well, as Peter and John passed by this lame man, he immediately cried out to them, begging them for alms. Now, I used to live in New York City, and as everyone there knows, the trick to getting past a beggar is to keep your head down and keep moving as if they're not really there. I mean, it's so easy to do, isn't it? Just to walk right past the impoverished or suffering people around us, or to look right past incidents of racism or injustice and pretend that we don't notice them. After all, if we don't see anything, then we don't have to get involved, right? And most of us do a pretty good job of distracting ourselves from all the poverty and, and injustice and inequity and suffering around us by obsessing over our beautiful gates. But as Peter and John passed by this man, rather than keeping their heads down and keep moving, they stopped and they looked intently at this man and they said to him, look at us. And the man fixed his attention on them. And immediately, just like that, a relationship had begun. They were looking each other in the eye, acknowledging each other as human beings. You know, we can all debate the value and the effectiveness of giving money to beggars or other people in need. But what we cannot debate is the importance 
of looking them in the eye and acknowledging them as human beings made in the image of God. Because one of the most devastating aspects of poverty is the way it dehumanizes people. It destroys their dignity and their self-worth. This is one of the reasons those early believers were so quick to, to give away their own stuff to help out brothers or sisters who were in need. After all, Jesus had died for those brothers and sisters and claimed them as his own, calling them to be a part of his family and to participate in his mission. And that gave every one of their lives immeasurable value. And none of them wanted anyone else and their new family to forget it. And so, Peter and John extended this community of faith, this loving, humanizing community, to this lame beggar. But Peter didn't do what the man was expecting him to do. Instead, Peter says, I have no silver or gold, but what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And then Peter reached down and took hold of this man who was sinking in a sea of poverty and brokenness, and he raised him up by the right hand. That's a wonderful image, isn't it? It kind of reminds me of the time that Peter himself was sinking into the Sea of Galilee and he cried out to Jesus, begging Jesus to save him. And the Savior reached down, took Peter by the hand and raised him up to new life. And now Peter became the instrument through which Jesus does the same thing for this lame beggar. And then the man leaped up and, 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 and then he went with Peter and John into the temple to worship, which is the only appropriate thing to do in response to the grace of God. And the text says that the man just kept leaping and, and praising God, which I have to say must have been very distracting for the preacher. <laughs> but who could blame the man? After all, he'd been lame since the day he was born, and now, he could leap. And when you are overwhelmed with gratitude for the grace that you have received, you just can't help but want to exult and praise God and worship. But as a crowd began to gather around, astonished at what they were seeing, Peter and John make it very clear that it was not by their power or piety that this formerly lame man was now walking and leaping. Rather, it was by the power of the name of Jesus, the author of life itself, whom they had killed, but whom God had raised from the dead. It was by faith in his name that this man had been healed. And then Peter urges the crowd to, to repent, to turn their lives back towards God and believe in Jesus. And 5,000 more joined the community of faith. Now, notice the pattern here. These believers 
devoted themselves to, to worship and fellowship with one another. That then led them outside the church where they encountered the broken world around them. When they reached out with the right hand of fellowship, they brought healing to a lame man by the power of Jesus' name. The story begins with worship and it leads to mission as the community of faith is extended to another person. Then they all go and worship God together, which is the only appropriate response to the grace of God, which then leads to yet another opportunity for mission, as Peter then proclaims the good news about Jesus and his resurrection to the astonished crowd. Again, worship should always lead us out into mission, which in turn should always lead us back to worship as we celebrate what God has done among us. Now, sometimes in the church, we, we have a tendency to, to think that the purpose of worship is to lure people into the church so that then we can make Christians out of them. And thus, worship often devolves into an orgy of entertainment and self-help. But worship is not a means to an end. It is the end. Our greatest and highest calling in life is to praise and glorify God from whom all blessings flow. The reason we go out into mission is so that more people might come to know Jesus, become a part of his family, and live a life of worship. But we cannot participate in the mission of Jesus Christ if we are not a part of the worshiping community that he has called together. For we cannot give to others what we have not received ourselves. You see, our calling as Christians is not just to be good people who go out and do a few good deeds now and then. You don't need Jesus to do that. Or the Holy Spirit. Heck, you don't even need to call yourselves Christians to do that. But we who have been claimed by Jesus Christ are called to live our lives immersed in the power of His Spirit by devoting ourselves to worship and prayer, study and fellowship with His body, and when we are faithfully doing those things, then Jesus will lead us to places that we may never otherwise have gone and open our eyes to things that we may never have noticed before, just as he opened Peter's and John's eyes to this lame man lying beside the gate, whom they may have passed by dozens of times before and never noticed. And when we're living our lives plugged into the power source of the Holy Spirit, then Jesus will work through us just as he worked through Peter. Remember, far more than anything Jesus wants you to do for him is what he wants to do through you. But you will never discover what that is until you surrender yourself to his power and authority by devoting yourself to the life and the worship of his church. 
For when you are living in relationship with Jesus and his body, then he will lead you into relationships with people outside the church who are in desperate need of his healing and grace. Now, that might be a beggar on the streets. Or it might be someone with whom you work or someone in your neighborhood or, or even someone in your own family. For whether you realize it or not, there are people all around you who feel lame as a result of poverty or prejudice or lack of opportunity or addiction or loneliness or grief. People whose lives feel crippled as a result of relationships that have grown cold or, or jobs that are sucking the life out of them or bodies that are no longer working or lives that have no sense of purpose and their spirits are crying out, begging for relief. Now, it's, it's very tempting just to keep your head down and walk right past them because you know that you cannot fix them. But be very clear it is not our job to fix anyone. It is Jesus Christ alone who is the great physician and only he has the power to heal them and raise them up to new life. Our mission is to look people compassionately in the eye and speak the name of Jesus into their lives bearing witness to his healing presence and being open to what it is that Jesus might want to do through us. For if the risen Savior is present in the power of his Spirit, then who knows what might happen? Anything is possible. He might even use our hands to raise up someone else to new life. But the only way that can happen is if we have been raised up ourselves by the right hand of Jesus in our own lives. Because let's be honest, we're all beggars here, aren't we? Starving for the grace of God, having spent our lives chasing after things that cannot satisfy us, constructing beautiful gates, that cannot give us life. And it is only by the power of Jesus' name that we are able to be raised up onto our feet and to experience the new life that Jesus was just dying to give us. And it's only by the power of his spirit that we are able to participate in his mission and do what he's calling us to do. You see, without his Holy Spirit living in us and shaping us more into his image, we will never be able to love one another and forgive one another as he commands us. Without his Spirit opening our eyes, we will never be able to, to see the things that Jesus wants us to see, especially the things that are uncomfortable for us. Without his Spirit strengthening us and guiding us, we will never have the courage to risk our own privilege and security by living counter-culturally according to the ways of his kingdom, since that's where our citizenship lies, rather than the false kingdoms of this world. 
and without the support and the encouragement of the spirit-filled community of worship, we will never be able to remain on the path of discipleship and become instruments of healing and grace in the Savior's hands. So if you want to know what your mission in life is, you don't have to look very far. Just devote yourself to a life of, of worship and, and prayer and studying the Word of God while living in fellowship with the body of Christ. And then be open to the ways that He might open your eyes to what He wants you to see or do. And that might be something that you've passed by dozens of times before and never noticed. It might be something He wants you to do in your family or here in the church. It might be something He wants you to do out in our community or, or in our city. I don't know what that might be. But mission always grows out of worship. And if you will surrender your life to His Spirit through a life of worship, then eventually... Jesus will reveal it to you and then start doing it through you. Now, you and I have received such an incredible gift. For we have been raised up by the right hand of God, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who has claimed us as his own, given us his own spirit, and made us a part of his family. And now he is sending us out into this broken and lame world in the power of his name with our eyes open so that we might raise other people up to new life by extending the right hand of fellowship and hospitality, the hand of understanding and respect, the hand of compassion and forgiveness, the hand of service and generosity. For when you are overwhelmed with gratitude for the grace that you have received, you just can't help but want to pass it on. You might even do a little leaping along the way. Amen.